At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast Tuesday edition. I am Sterling Holmes, no Matt Connor, as he is still somewhere. He's in the Norwegian region, somewhere where it's cold, I think, Iceland, Sweden, Finland, Greenland. One of the lands is where Matt Connor is at, but we have another Matt joining us, Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Matt Derrick. Make sure you go to ChiefsDigest.com. Matt, how you doing? I am doing well, Sterling. Always good to catch up with you. Sorry, Matt couldn't be here, though. Yeah, but see, the only other person who likes classic rock puns as much as Matt Connor might be Matt Derrick. So if you hear any power ballad puns, don't worry. It's just Matt Derrick. See, it's, it's something about the Matts, but somehow Matt Verderam didn't get that. Like Matt Verderam has no, no time for puns, but you and Connor do. Is, is your middle name Matt Sterling? Or, I mean, can we make you an honorary Matt? Mm, I would love to be an honorary, an honorary Matt. Okay. That would be my, my absolute dream. Okay. I think we, I think we can make that work. Okay. You Before, have too nice. You have too nice of a hair to be a Matt, but we can make it work. <laughs> Matt Connor's got luscious locks, baby. <laughs> Those things are luscious. It's two thirds. You have one of the other puns or great hair. There's no in there between. You go. Uh, before we talk all things Chiefs, want to give a shout out. Go to Caesar Sportsbooks. If you want to do us a huge solid, go to Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, use the code Arrowful A R R O W F U L L and get your first bet on Caesar's up to twelve hundred and fifty bucks. On any sport, NBA playoffs, game three, the finals tomorrow. Win some money there. The offer is only available for new customers who are 200 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms and the offer. And if you already have a Caesars uh, sports account, you can head to the arrowheadaddict.com slash bets to find more betting offers and find ways to support the podcast. So if you do that, that does mean the world to us. But Matt Derrick, let's get into it. Chiefs are the White House. They're they're having fun. Frank Clark is there. Looked like McCall yep. Hardman was there. Looks like a good time. First, what did you make of all these former Chiefs also getting the call and going to the White House? Yeah, and I, that didn't surprise me at all. I mean, this is uh, can absolutely be a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, and and sometimes you don't even get that opportunity as the Super Bowl Fifty Four crew knows. So yeah, this uh, this was a, an exciting moment. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, the players, the coaches, uh, people in the front office, everybody who could make that trip, you know, wanted to and, and find a way. And as you saw, I mean, there were some guys with some other clubs that you know got out of you know their duties with their other teams that were able to make the trip. Some free agents, guys who aren't signed right now. Um, this was just another step in the, the celebration party. And remember, this was a reunion opportunity too for, I mean, all the players who left the organization, they really haven't been back together in the same room since probably day after Super Bowl 57. So I think you saw that. I mean, they had a great time. If you haven't gone through to see all the photos and everything from this, do it because there's no doubt. I mean, this this group had a lot of fun with the visit. Uh, it was a lighthearted moment. Uh, they had had obviously a good time. Patrick and Kelsey, I think, proved that. Um, just an, an, another little fun touchstone along the road of, for, for Chiefs fans to be able to celebrate their win. Yeah, Chris Jones looking like taking a nap in the that Oval was, Office. That was outstanding. That suit was fire, too. So oh, Chris, Frank, Chris, Chris, when he dresses up, is always on point. Yeah, Frank Clark's I thought was actually pretty, pretty killer as well. Um, let, let, let's touch on Frank Clark very quickly. How much should we read into this? How much should we read into this bond that they seemingly all have together. Frank Clark, the defensive line, but the whole team in general, and you saw him posting on Twitter. It's a lot of we. Look what we did. We got invited. This is us. Now, I know he's a free agent. I know he's a guy who uh, can be about his money, but he's still a free agent. No team has given him that money or that uh, multi-year offer that I think he is hoping for. What are the odds of Frank Clark coming back and how much does this go as far as Frank Clark coming back? 
I mean, as far as how, how what it what it means and how far does it go, honestly, almost zero. I mean, the, to me, the White House visit for anybody yesterday, uh, whether they're a free agent or let's say they're a player looking for a new contract, uh, hypothetically, means nothing. I mean, you know, this was <laughs> this this was a special event, and I I honestly, I mean, you know, could it have been the conversation? I mean, Brett Veach goes to, over to Frank Clark and says, "Hey, you know what, Frank, keep in shape. We'd love to have you back sometime." Yeah, it's possible, but hey, all the all that talk, all that con- all that stuff is going to be between Brett Veach and the agents. I didn't see any agents there yesterday, so I doubt there was a lot of that. And it wasn't that that wasn't the venue. I mean, that was a venue to celebrate what they did. But I will say one thing about Frank Clark, though, and especially you know when when he's saying things like "We did this." Frank Clark views himself as a Kansas City chief and a chief for life. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Frank Clark spends a lot of time in Kansas City once his career is done, too. I mean, he felt connected to Kansas City. So I don't think there's any doubt, all things being equal, Frank Clark wants to be in Kansas City. Going off that, I I kind of was thinking this earlier. Remember Jeremy Guthrie for the Royals in baseball, right? He ended up settling down in Kansas City. You know, Tim Grunard spent his entire career in Kansas City, so he settled down here. Trent Green obviously played for multiple teams, settled down in Kansas City. What is it about Kansas City where all these players where maybe they spent the majority of their time here, but it seems like they always come back here to Kansas City? Do you have any insight to that? Because I, I do find it fascinating how it feels like these players get such a good connection to the city. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think one, obviously, it goes back to the fans. I mean, I, I do think that, you know, former players do find this as a good place to, to be because they are treated well by the fans. They This isn't Philadelphia, you know, where they might go to, <laughs> they might go to Wawa and get cursed out every once in a while. Nobody's going to do that to them in Kansas City. Plus, it's cheaper to live here. And get a whole lot nicer house than they're going to in some of the other bigger markets. Uh, but I mean, I do think there's something about the Midwestern hospitality that the fans have always treated players a little bit differently and uh, are kind to them. Hey, the opportunities are there. If they want to make a few money, you know, a little bucks on the side. I mean, the fans are always going to support them at the, at the, at the card shows and everything and autograph sessions, all that. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I, like I said, I do think there's something to the hospitality here that, People are, are much nicer to the athletes than they are in some other markets. Uh, it's funny you brought up Philadelphia. Not only am I wearing my 76ers polo, as a man who lived in Philly, I can definitely vouch those dudes will get cussed out at a Wawa. I was going to say, you've probably done that. <laughs> Cannot confirm nor deny. Come on, man. I'm not going to do that. I'm a nice guy. Can you picture me cussing out anyone? I, I If you cost you a, a bet or or a, a, a loss for your team, I can absolutely see you. Sir, I'm a gentleman and a scholar. Matt <laughs> Derrick thinking I am just a hooligan. No chance, Matt. Uh, before we go forward, I, I just want to say once I, I never care when people are like Republican, Democrat, when it comes to actually going to the White House. It's not a time for political statement. No one is like, I'm going to win the Super Bowl when this guy's a president. No, you go because it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I find it so cool. I don't give a hoot. So if you try and make this political, we're not going to do it. I think it's cool. Anyone, anytime anyone's president, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You go. You go there. You sit in the Oval Office. You take some pictures. You look like a badass, and you celebrate with your teammates. Uh, I also want to say, do you think that Travis Kelsey, him grabbing the mic, was that planned? Was that <laughs> stuff? That, that seemed like an SNL-type skit because he got off quick. It, it looked like there was uh, something between him and Mahomes there. I have been asked that question more in the last 24 hours than any other question. And I'll give it to him if it was scripted. It was well executed because it seemed a little off the cuff, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was scripted. I mean, it certainly maybe felt like it a little bit the way that they moved a little too quick. Um, but and, and I just want to underscore your point. I mean, you know, knowing these guys and everything and what Andy Reid said yesterday about it doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, independent, you know, you get an opportunity like that. It's once in a lifetime. Um, I couldn't I couldn't travel, unfortunately, for medical reasons. Otherwise, I would have been there. I mean, it's it's absolutely killing me because it might be my only chance to be on the South Lawn of the White House. And I can tell you, I mean, there were, hey, there were people from all sorts of parts of the political spectrum from the Chiefs and the players there yesterday. Uh, let's get into it, Matt. We're going to do the Chiefs positions ranked scale of one to 10, your confidence level going into next season, where you think some strengths are for Kansas City, where you think some weaknesses might uh, might lie. You don't have to go one to 10, right? As far as you don't have to use one, two, three, four. If multiple spots are 10, 
Multiple spots are a 10. If multiple spots are a six, multiple spots are a six. I'm not going to make you uh, pigeonhole you into using every single number. So let's start with the easy one. That is quarterback. Scale of one to 10. 10 being the best. Where, <laughs> you know, where's your comfortability level with the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback situation? You know, the funny thing is I have to, I have to do this for a, a, a football magazine preview each year. Uh, that asks for the same rating scale and everything. And I'll, I'll try and use my ratings off the top of my head from that, so I'm, at least I'm consistent. But I will say quarterback, I, hey, you have to do a lot to get a 10 from me. So quarterback, 9.5. Mm, nine, nine, Matt, wait, I, was that being facetious? Are you joking? 9.5. If the backup is – is what, who's the backup have to be? Jalen Hurts? I mean, well, to get a 10, I mean, I need you to be, I need, I need Patrick. Yeah. I mean, I I need, I need the backup to be Jalen Hurts. I need, (laughs) I need it. You know, what's the best, you know, backup code, backup uh, starter combo we've had in like the last 10 years, Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, I guess. Patrick Mahomes, that might've been a 10. (laughs) Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith. Got to a Super Bowl. Uh, oh no! No, Man. I need I need like you know Earl Morale and Johnny Unitas. I mean, coming off the bench. I mean, I need Steve Young and Joe Montana is the only way Matt ten, Derrick's giving him a ten. I would yeah. have given that a ten. That could have been a ten. Uh, so as so much Mah- as I love my Blaine Gabbert, it, Mizzou. Hey, Mizzou made nine point five. <sighs> that hurts me. Blaine Gabbert is a, a guy with great hair. Yeah, is. A great mustache and soul patch combo when he needs it. He was Gardner Minshew before Gardner Minshew went and took that look. And also Shane Bouchelle. Come on. Come on. Uh, hey, and I am the biggest Chris Oladokun fan in Kansas City. So <laughs> that's dude, I love that dude. All right. So Matt Derrick gives it a 9.5 out of 10. I'm going 10. At least he's consistent. If it was Joe Montana and Steve Young, that's your 10. This is a nine and a half. For Matt Derrick in the quarterback room, uh, let's hit up the running back room. Where, where's your confidence level going into next year? One through ten, running backs for Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I think I can go a solid seven. I mean, you know, I, I think it's. I, 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 I think Isaiah Pacheco is great. I mean, and we'll see what what Clyde's got this year. I mean, clearly, I mean, I don't think there's anything to dislike with McKinnon coming back and everything. But, you know, do the Chiefs have a bell cow, you know, running back? No. I mean, do they have a guy who's going to go out there and give you, you know, five and a half yards, of, uh, you know, a play? Are they, uh, do they have a 1,500-yard back? I don't know if I can make that case for Isaiah Pacheco yet. I mean, I just need to see a little bit more. So I think it's, it's seven with an arrow pointing up and – I think they got some good pieces. The generic Prince has actually been impressing me a lot in OTAs, but mm. I I I, th- I got to leave a little bit more room because I think that, I mean, I think there are some better backfields around the league. Yeah, I had him at a six personally, but I want you to touch on generic Prince if you can. Just what you've seen from him at OTAs. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think Isaiah Pacheco. We need to see more, especially when it comes to uh, as a pass catching back and a pass protection back. If you look at the PFF numbers, he was ranked as one of the worst pass protectors as far as run blockers in the NFL or um, pass protect as far as Mahomes in the NFL. That's why you saw a lot of Jerk McKinnon in the playoffs. Um, Jerk McKinnon, what's he going to do for a full season? He's great in limited action, but he's not going to get a ton of snaps, especially early on in the season. They kind of save him for the stretch run and the playoffs. And then generic Prince, CEH, there's a lot of question marks running those two guys. I, I, I'm more of a six, seven. I think we're, we're kind of in the same boat here. But what have you seen from Prince at OTAs? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he's fast. I mean, you can see that. There's a, there's a quickness there. And and even though, I mean, he at first blanche looks a lot like Isaiah Pacheco, they seem to have a, a little bit different style. Um, especially Prince seems to, uh, to, from first glance in the first couple of practices I've seen, um, seems a little bit more comfortable running to the outside, whereas I think Pacheco is much more you know effective inside. Um, that maybe could end up making him a good pairing. I didn't really think about the Niall Davis comparison until, you know, Dave Toe brought it up last week, but you start looking at their size, their speed, everything. Yeah. I'm starting to get it. I mean, there is something there. And, and I think that's why I think that Prince would be a much more effective kick returner than, than Pacheco was last year. I mean, I think Pacheco was kind of the the last guy standing as far as the kick returner. I don't know if he was super well suited for it. Certainly with the workload he got later in the season, I think it was a bad fit. Um, if Prince, that's the majority of his work. I mean, if he's the third, fourth running back and the number one kick returner, 
I'm interested to see what he could do because I, I do think there's a little bit of Niall Davis there. So you think he makes the roster, then you think he is on the bubble, it sounds like, but he's going to make the roster as a special teamer? Yeah, I think so. I think so for sure, especially because, you know, Pacheco and McKinnon aren't going to be your special teams guys. I don't even know if, you know, you really ask Clyde to be a special teams guy because he hasn't been that before. So, you know, you need a running back in in one of those spots. And he certainly seems like the guy. And, you know, if you're not carrying a fullback, four running backs is still fine. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it would be maybe a question of just, you know, who's active on game days. But I think he'd have to be that guy because I think he is going to win the kicks return job. If it's who's active on game days, it almost sounds like in your mind, it could be Clyde on the outside looking in. It could very well. I mean, especially depending on what kind of workload that they want to have for McKinnon. I mean, if they want to, you know, split the the backfield a little bit between those two guys, you know, let's see. I mean, and maybe they will go ahead and have four guys, you know, active you know, without a full back. And it'll be interesting to see how they do juggle that, especially with, you know, depending on how many tight ends they want to have active on game days. Mm. Well, I want to talk tight ends, but we're going to wait just a little bit because we're talking wide receivers. I know you said you might make a few people cry when we talk wide receivers. Where's your confidence level one to 10 going into next season? Uh, probably, uh, I think I, I, I want to say I may have had said 6.5 in my preview. I might, I might go to a seven because I, I am, I am fairly bullish on this group. Is there a number one receiver? No. I mean, I don't think you can say that based on the resumes that we have to this point. Um, are there guys who could become a number one? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that the talent is there for some of these guys. Um, but Kadarius Tony, we just haven't seen the, the bulk of the work yet. You know, we haven't seen him do, you know, what Tyreek Hill. And remember, Tyreek was not a number one receiver as a rookie. You know, he had to push himself into that. He had to grow into that. And he did that in the off seasons. I mean, that's where the bulk of Tyreek's improvement came. It was not getting coaching during the year it's and as, as i say it you know all the time i mean in the nfl if you want to get better you're not getting better july through february you're getting better march through april really you're getting better on your own time you're not getting better during otas or during the season and i, I hey we don't know what Kadarius tony's off-season work ethic is yet you know we really don't know what it's going to look like um, was the guy that we've seen in New York the last couple of years a fully furnished, you know, finely tuned receiver? No. I mean, he was not that player yet. He he didn't have a chance last year in Kansas City because he he knew and they gave him just a small sliver of the playbook. Well, let's see what he can do this year with a bigger portion of it. Can can MVS become a, a bigger player? I don't know. I mean, five years in the league, I kind of think he may be baked in as what he is. So is expecting a thousand yard season from him you know, reasonable? I think that's that's a little bit of a stretch for me. Is there a thousand yard receiver in this group? Maybe, but you know, for Sky to take that leap in year two, I think is tough. And, you know, looking at the other guys, you know, do they have it in them? I don't know. I mean, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I mean, I think that this could end up being a receiver group that goes eight or nine deep. I mean, they might have 10 guys in that receiver group who play in the NFL this year and catch passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think we need to see more from all of them. Before I let you hit on your uh, your guy that might make some fans not super thrilled, I have the Chiefs wide receiver group as a five. And I know I'm going to get yelled at by folks, but five no, means... You're more bearish than I am. F- five means average. So five is, is an average wide receiver group. I, I think if you look around the NFL, I think that's got to be pretty fair considering all the uncertainties that, uh, that surround these wide receivers. I'm not saying it's a bad group and you're right. There is a lot of depth at that back end wide receiver three through nine is it's absurd. Like I think Amir Smith, Marset, for example, is, is a guy, Justin and John Ross, for example. Um, there's just so many guys, Richie James, Justin Watson, uh, so many guys in the back end that I think could make an impact with Kadarius Tony. I'm 100% with you. And I do think Richie James makes the roster for the simple fact that he's going to take those unnecessary hits off of Kadarius Tony that allows Tony just how they had to do with Hill. Hey, no longer are you a return man. You got to focus on being the best wide receiver. Richie James, I think takes over that role MVS. I'm with you. I think he's kind of baked into who he is at this point. At some point to say, you know what? It's not going to happen. He's not a thousand yard wide receiver and that's okay. It's okay. He doesn't need to be. He's, he's been fine. He's fine. Um, I guess where my concern lies is with Rasheed Rice and Sky Moore. I'm all in on Sky Moore. 
I'm one of the most positive dudes when it comes to his breakout year this year. Uh, I think he has the most receptions on this team. Not the most yards, the most receptions on this team. I hope they use him a little bit like the Steelers use Deontay Johnson, right? If you look at some of the combine numbers, you look at some of his athletic traits and tools, they're eerily similar to Deontay Johnson. The only difference is he has those Johnny Benchian-sized hands. So hopefully that is less drops because Deontay Johnson, uh, uh, it's like hot potato sometimes with that guy. But then it comes down to Rasheed Rice. What is he going to do? How much impact is he going to have as a rookie? Traditionally in a Andy Reid-led Chiefs offense, rookies don't have a lot of opportunity. If he's not getting a lot of snaps, how much play is Justin Watson getting? You know, they don't need a wide receiver one. But I do wish they had a little bit more consistency because right now you're looking at who had the best year last year of any guy on this team currently. It's probably Richie James. I mean, seriously, Richie James probably had the most consistent year of any guy on this current wide receiver core. That is at least slightly concerning. Eh, a little bit, but and, and I'm I'm with you on Richie James. I mean, I'm really intrigued, you know, to see how he fits into this room. I don't know if we're and, and let's face it, we're not going to know until August, you know, because you can see as many highlight real plays as you want to in May and June. It doesn't tell you anything because <laughs> you can't cover, you can't touch anybody. And I will say, as I, I, I have said this many, many times, if you can't impress as a wide receiver in May and June, you have no chance of impressing me in August, much less the regular season. I mean, this is the easiest time in the world to be a wide receiver is this time of year. You need to go out there and knock people over. And yeah, I mean, there's there's some guys who are. You're not seeing highlight real plays from Richie James. You're seeing them from Justin Watson. And uh, Justin Watson. <laughs> you, you're so scared to say Justin Ross. You're just so I am so scared. scared to say Justin Ross. I am so scared. Everyone in the chat, get your pitchforks like, ready. Okay. Anybody get- who anybody who has listened to me knows that me and names sometimes just absolutely go on my mind goes on vacation. So yes, Justin Ross. Um, I mean, my comp for Justin Ross, and I, th- I think that this is actually a favorable comp to him, is Demarcus Robinson, because that's the guy that he reminds me of right now. Because Demarcus Robinson did this every May and June, and we wrote every single year. This is the year that Demarcus Robinson is blowing everybody away at Chiefs OTAs. So get ready for you know the Demarcus Robinson era to begin, and hey, you know it never really did. But he was also a very productive receiver. Justin Ross doesn't need to be a 1,200-yard receiver to be productive. If he gave this team 450 yards, I would take that to the bank right now. I, I mean, he's an athletic guy. There's no doubt. I mean, you can see it. But I, I, do, I think you make an absolutely valid point, though, about really the first year for, for players. And, and Ross, technically not his first year in an Andy Reid system. So, uh, hey, there's a redshirt year involved there. But, you know, so much of it still is learning about what goes on on the field. And he still has a lot to learn. Rasheed Rice has a lot to learn. And, you know, usually the receivers, to me, that, that have breakout rookie years and have, you know, astronomical numbers, there's usually something about them. Like, you know, they've got a ridiculous catch radius. So maybe they catch some balls that, you know, normally they wouldn't. Or maybe they've got some DK Metcalf speed. So they, they take some junk plays and turn them into big gains and get some, get some extra yardage. You know, are the, these guys that? I don't know. I mean, you know, Rasheed Rice has got good speed. But, you know, is, is, is he going to be somebody who's looking to be maybe more of a possession receiver and getting involved in the short and intermediate game? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably going to be more what you see from him. Um, you know, I think MVS obviously did really well as your deep guy last year. I think you'd probably keep him doing that with Justin Ross could absolutely be one of those guys he's got that catch radius that you can see working um i'm really intrigued about richie james because his his numbers last year i mean he doesn't drop the football he catches almost everything that he can get his hands on and he did that last year with daniel freaking jones as his quarterback (laughs) so i mean hey he's gonna have his depth of target things he's going to face this year is going to be, you know, a little bit more challenging than it was last year. So I would expect his, his catch percentage to go down, probably drops and go up a little bit, but I think there's a lot to like there. Um, But again, you know, I don't know how the Chiefs are going to see this play out. You know, I think they, like I said, I think they got eight to 10 guys that can play and who are the five, six or seven, even that might make this opening day roster. We'll see. Yeah. How many wide receivers do you think they keep? You don't have to, you know, get into too much detail here, but you think it's five, six, or seven? 
Yeah, it's interesting because the other day when I was going through this exercise of like what I thought the roster would look like, I mean, I had five guys just from a, okay, they've, they've, they've either invested money or resources into these guys or they have been around and like, there's five guys. And that didn't include either Ross or Richie James. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I think eight deep is good. They're not going to keep eight receivers. They're going to keep at least six. I think they have to just because of the numbers and not keeping a fullback this year will allow them to keep a sixth. Keeping a seventh would not knock me over. I mean, let's see what happens when we get to camp and injuries will play a role too, but it, no, it wouldn't stun me. I, I think six would probably be my, my number. And like I said, is there a 10% chance or so that they keep seven? Maybe. Uh, I like in the chat, Swiss Mr. Casey says five, which is what I give the wide receiver group equals 50%, which is an F. It's semantics. <laughs> okay, Swiss. But what I'm saying is I'm not going off the uh, the Americanized grading scale of, of A, B, C, D, F, and then anything 50% lower is an F. I just I'm heard not, that you hate the receivers. That's all I know. Five's average. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're we're doing the ladder. Just because you got fifty percent in school, Sterling, doesn't mean it's average. Okay, just because I got a thirty percent in calculus and I had to go take it at a community college does not mean that I'm this bad at math. I I ran that way from from calculus. Oh, dude, it was horrible. Good I had to you. take it, and I I taught. See, luckily, I'm decent at talking my way out of things. I talked my way out of the teacher not failing me and putting it on my like what, what your national your your, your all time record or whatever it's called. I'm like, hey, I'm just gonna go ahead and drop this class and take it to community college. I I I we're just we're not vibing. I just don't understand. And I not got out thing. of it. I got out of it. Not so your thing. There that, you go. Yeah, I got out of it. So that, that was me. Uh, and also, as you can see, some of the people will call me Goose because of the mustache. So you see Tungsten in the chat says, Swiss told you Goose. Uh, right there. It's, the, it's because of the stash. Uh, but let's get into the tight ends. Scale of 1 to 10, comfortability level, tight ends for the Chiefs next year. You know, actually, I'm pulling up my my, my preseason preview, which, yes, hey, I, yeah, I agree. For magazines, having to do a preseason preview in April and May is way too early. Uh, tight ends, where'd they go? Oh, either grouping mode with receivers, so they were they were part of the seven. But no, I mean tight ends nine. Ooh, nine, nine. Man, I think I'll go. I'll go eight. Wow. I think I think I'll go eight. Uh, obviously, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL by a Correct. wide margin. If anyone tries to send you George Kittle is even cl- close. If anyone tries to send you George Kittle is close, tell them to stop smoking crack. Okay, they they got a pipe filled it with crack. Lit that bad boy, and then they went, George Kittle. George Kittle's better than Travis Kelsey. It's He's not a better even blocker. close. He's a better blocker. Congratulations, but like that, that's he also can't stay healthy. So that's that's neat. Congratulations to George. I love George Kittle. Nothing against him. I actually love watching George Kittle play, but because people are smoking crack and try telling me he's better than Travis Kelsey, it's asinine. I have to get on my high horse and tell him, hey, you stop smoking crack. It's Travis Kelsey. All right. I have him at eight. Because while Travis Kelsey is the best tight end by a wide margin in the NFL, we've not seen the sort of consistency from the backup tight ends. I like Noah Gray. I like Noah Gray. But what is he? He he hasn't taken a ton of workload away from Travis Kelsey. He's improved slightly as a blocker. I like Noah Gray, but but I can't quite get there. Jody Fortson has been fine every year at OTAs, training camp. It's always Jody Fortson season. It's going to be Jody Fortson season. And then it's fine. He's a couple touchdowns, then he gets hurt. I like Jody Fortson. I'm rooting for the guy. But because he's perpetually injured, I can't say I'm, I'm super comfortable there. I like Matt Bushman, fine blocker. I like Blake Bell, great blocker. I think there's actually a role for Blake Bell on this team. I know people don't like to hear it, but Blake Bell brings something different to this team as far as being the best blocking tight end on this team. He is a roster spot in my mind. And Kendall Blanton, I think, is in OTAs as well. Uh, yep. Former Mizzou alum, and he was here at one point with the Rams at one point with Washington on their uh, practice squad at one point. It's an eight. Travis Kelsey, steep drop-off. I like Noah Gray, steep drop-off because of injuries to Jody Fordson, but um, that's kind of where I'm at. You sound like talking about tight ends the way I'm talking about quarterbacks, you know. So, you know, you, you, you see a, a, a lot of deficiencies there. And I don't – I can't disagree. I mean, I think that the one weakness that the Chiefs have gotten away with murder with over the last few years – has been having a reliable compliment behind Travis Kelsey. 
because you see what happens when George Kittle gets hurt and the drop off from from your your stud guy and what can happen. And I don't think I mean, the Chiefs do not want to see you do not want to see the Chiefs offense without Travis Kelsey because it's going to change dramatically. So much of the offense goes through him in that position. And maybe these guys have got it in them. Maybe maybe Noah Gray has it, and he just hasn't had the opportunity yet to show it because Travis is going to be on the field 80 to 90% of the time. Um, but I also, you know, the, my, only, my question about Noah Gray all, all along was always going to be that he's, he's undersized for the position. He's not as big as some of the other guys. So I think there's going to be some things that he can do better than some other players, but there's also going to be some things that he can't. And being a red zone target is probably one of going to be one of those always things that kind of eludes Noah Gray. It's what's helped Jody Fortson. I mean, he's been a really good red zone target when he's been healthy and on the field, but that has been the challenge. I mean, if Jody Fortson can stay healthy, I would love to see what he can do because he's not only a, a, a good guy and a, a fun player, but he's, he can be really fun to watch when he's healthy uh, with you on, on, Hey, Blake Bell. I mean that he's a veteran. He does what he does there. You know, Hey, you're not going to ask him to go out there and catch you 500 yards. You're going to ask him to go out there and do a bunch of dirty work and he does it pretty well. So I'm with you there. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, who's next. And I uh, hey, Matt Bushman has his, has had some moments in OTAs. I'm tell you, tell you what, on Thursday, he was a star. It was a tight end day. And he had, I think like three touchdowns and maybe a five play sequence in the red zone. So, you know, not ready to anoint Matt Bushman as the next Travis Kelsey, you know, but Hey, he can do some things, but you're right. There's no, there's no other Travis Kelsey on this roster. And that's, well, the, I don't need Travis Kelsey, but in Europe, do you have 80%? You, you want have 80%. 80%. Yeah. And, and I know that there's 80%. I think Noah Gray is about uh, 65%, 70% maybe, yeah. maybe for being general. I mean, Travis Kelsey, again, he's a unicorn. He is one of one. Very, very difficult. Uh, Kendall Blanton did have a great playoff game one time. And Jody Fortson was maybe the best dressed man at the yeah, White House. Was. So at least he has that going for him as well. Uh, let's switch gears and talk offensive line. Let's talk about the trenches right here. The offensive line, where are you at? Scale of 1 to 10 for the Chiefs heading into next year. My, my preview was 8.5, and uh, that was before the Donovan Smith signing. So I probably could bump, I could probably bump it to a 9 right now. Uh, I don't have a lot of concerns. I mean, um, could there be some weaknesses on the outside? Possibly, you know, there's not going to be any on the inside as long as that group is healthy. And honestly, I mean, I'm, I, I'm stunned that Nick Allegretti did not get a starting job somewhere around the league this year. I mean, he is a starting caliber lineman. So even if you're to, to lose one of your three interior guys, you still got some pretty good talent backing them up. And, and they've got some other young guys too. Um, the question's going to be on the outside. Are they going to be better than they were a year ago? And, I think there's a chance they could be. They are different than they were a year ago. They're, I don't think any doubt Jawan Taylor is an upgrade on the right side. He's a really good right tackle. He's still an ascending player. Um, so I, I, I think that's a great addition. Donovan Smith, if healthy, is a very solid left tackle. Is he as, as good as Orlando? I've been asked that question a lot. And I mean, my answer is he's a different player. And that's what the Chiefs were looking for. I mean, the reason why that they did not make a long-term commitment to Orlando Brown wasn't that they thought Orlando Brown was a bad player. They just, I think, finally came to the, the, the acceptance that he wasn't necessarily the guy for them and the style that he played. And Donovan Smith is a different player than Orlando Brown. He's got a different skill set. He's got a different strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's the direction that why they ended up going the direction that they did was just to get a, a different profile there that they feel like fits their offense and fits your quarterback better. So, like I said, I, I think there's potential that the tackles are better than they were a year ago. And if they are, they are then this is going to be one of the better offensive lines in the league. Yeah, I almost hate agreeing with you, but I do think it's about an 8.5 to 9. The interior is probably the best interior offensive line in football. Uh, Juwan Taylor, I, I do think it's an upgrade. Although, if you've listened to me, I have some qualms with the contract. You know, highest slash second highest, depending which numbers you look at, paid right tackle in football. I get it. You, you know, Max Crosby lines up on that side, and, and a lot of ta or edge rushers now line up on the right side. I get it, but... You don't pay Travis Kelsey like a wide receiver. The market isn't there yet, so you don't pay a right tackle like, like a left tackle because guess what? The market isn't quite there yet, but doesn't matter. Grand scheme of things, he is an upgrade over Andrew Wiley. But left tackle, you really can look at it either very positively, which is 
you know, Orlando Brown Jr. was fine and he was getting paid 16 plus million per year over four years. Uh, how much is he better than Donovan Smith in at all? Donovan Smith, for the, the same reasons, he had a bad year last year, horrible year last year, but he was injured and the rest of that O-line was completely banged up. So there was no continuous nature. He was always having a perpetual rotation at left guard, which we saw Orlando Brown Jr. Whenever Tooney was out, what happened? He had his worst games. So you say Donovan Smith with Joe Tooney should be an upgrade. The only thing is, this should be a much better offensive line. But there's also way more question marks going into this year than there were going into last year when it comes to the tackle position. That does make me at least a little bit nervous. But overall, I'm with you. I think an 8.5 or 9 seems to be the right move. Um, Defensive line. Where are you at here? They have Chris Jones, obviously, at the top. Then after that, some rookies. Some young guys, some pieces being brought back. The new guy in Charles and Minahu. Where are you at here? I'm going to make a prediction here that, again, my grade's probably going to be higher than yours because you're very pessimistic today, Sterling. Uh, but I, I, a different scale, apparently. Everyone's using the, this. A B is an 80, is an 8. And I'm sitting here saying, no, a B is more like a 7 because we're doing the, the 1 to 10 scale. Come on. I'm doing on the scale that this is a Super Bowl championship team. I mean, there's not going to be any threes on this team. Did I say a three? I didn't say a (laughs) three. My lowest has been a five. And my my low grades are coming up on this side of the football. But um, when Chris Jones is on this side, I have a hard time giving it a low grade. So I give the defensive line an eight. Um, A big part of that is, is Chris Jones. Big part is the depth. I think they go pretty deep. Uh, do they have two elite, you know, pass rushers? I don't know if I can make that case. I think George Karloff just definitely has the potential to enter that category this year. I mean, six sacks last year. Could he become a double-digit guy this year? I I think it's a, a highly probable. I think he's got that in him. Um, we'll see how def- offenses adjust to him and everything, but I think there's a pretty good chance of that. Um, you know, what is Charles Aminahue? Is he still an ascending player? He's had some moments, but he's never, he's going to be asked to do more this year than he's ever done before. And we'll have to see, you know, if he's able to, to, to pick that up. Is Frank Clark going to return? I mean, I'm kind of baking in the idea that Frank Clark's going to be back in this group at some point. So maybe that's influencing maybe from a seven and a half to an eight. But I mean, hey, Felix, I mean, I, I think has could have a lot, a lot of a year like, like, you know, Karloff just did last year. We'll see, you know, maybe his snap counts won't be as high. We'll see what kind of work he gets. But, I mean, I, I really like that addition. Mike Dana, I still like. I mean, he's a really good role player. Um, with what they've done on the inside, I, I mean, I, I, like I said, I mean, I don't, I don't still know after Chris. The drop-off is, 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 is a sharp drop. But I like their depth. I mean, I think they've got some good talent there. They've got some good young guys now. Keandre Coburn, I'm really intrigued with. I mean, I really want to kind of see what he can do. Um, and, and BJ Thompson, I think is a really intriguing, you know, upside player. I mean, we'll see. I mean, there's only going to be a spot for maybe one or two of these long, lean athletic guys. And so BJ Thompson, Joshua Kando and Malik Herring might have to square off for that last roster spot, but I like the depth. I like what the group they put together. Uh, I see this chat from USAF Chiefs fan. Didn't the Chiefs pay Mitchell Swartz top right tackle money when they signed him at the time? I will also say this. Uh, he is no Mitchell Swartz. He, he, I, well, I like Juwan like Taylor. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Juwan Taylor, but that's. Uh, Juwan Taylor could be the second best right tackle in the league, and he still wouldn't be Mitchell yeah, Schwartz because yeah, Mitch was he, the best. He, he there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as far as what you said, I could not agree more. I don't want to touch on it too much because I, I, it's weird. Uh, you and I are on the exact same page here. I'm going with an eight. I I will say this. At the start of the season, if this is the current defensive line, no Frank Clark, no veteran, I'm nervous for the first about six games. Because what's going to happen with Charles and Minahu? What's going to happen as far as suspension? Is he going to get one? Is something going to be levied against him at the start of the year? That makes me a little nervous. Not only that, it typically takes about half the year for rookie edge rushers to really get their legs underneath. And we saw it last year with Karloftis. We saw it with Aiden Hutchinson. We saw it with Kayvon Thibodeau. It takes about halfway through the year before they really start making an impact. So the first few games of the year, I'm, I'm, I'm about like a four or five with the Chiefs D-line. You know, second half of the year in playoff time, I'm like a nine. If they're healthy, this is a really, really good group. 
Karloff is, I'm with you. I think double-digit sacks is not out of the equation. I wouldn't go crazy with like 14 or 15, but I think, you know, 9 to 10 to 11 seems to be about the range I'd put Karloff is in. FAU, if he gets some snaps, he gets going. He brings something different to the table. I'm with you on the interior. That's probably the weakness of this Chiefs defensive line. Chris Jones is a, is an 11 out of 10. You, you, you know, you've seen Spinal Tap. This one goes to 11. Chris Jones goes to 11. Um, but everyone else is is fine. Derek Nottie is he's okay. Keandre Coburn, he's okay. Turk Wharton, he's okay. Um, no one really stands out on the interior. But I will say, when they're trying to get after the, the pass rusher on the interior and you put Mike Dana there, you put Charles Amenahu there, you switch it up on the interior. I'm very intrigued to see this souped-up NASCAR package now. That makes me extremely enthused. Uh, but let's set up the linebackers. Linebackers. Where are you at? Scale of 1 to 10. I mean, this this is a hard group because I, I feel like I should probably be more bullish on this group. But even with some additions that I like, I like Drew Tranquil. Uh, I'm even intrigued in some of the other young guys that they've got. I this is the hard group I'm hardest on though. I give him a five and a half, uh, I, and that's despite the fact that I love Nick Bolton. I think Nick Bolton is great. He's an uh, once again I say the words ascending player, as Sterling has just been blindsided by my my five and a half grade. Uh, but I, and I love that. I think he's a great a great leader. But you know, hey, Nick's got improvements. He need, and he knows and he needs to knows he needs to improve in pass coverage. Um, I still don't know about everybody else. I, you know, Willie Gay is a tremendous talent. Has he put it all together to be an all-around linebacker yet? Three years in, we haven't seen it. Um, Leo Chanel, tremendous talent. Has he got, you know, every down linebacker? I don't know. Um, you know, I think there's there's things that he does really well, but I don't know if he's there yet. And the fact that the Chiefs did go out and get Drew Tranquil. I think tells you a lot about what they think about both those guys because Drew Tranquil is a starting linebacker in this league. If you've got three guys that you're really good about, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, if Drew Tranquil is your fourth linebacker, maybe you do have a great linebacker group and maybe this thing should be up to an eight. My fear and the downside risk here is that I think Drew Tranquil might be your second best linebacker. And if that's the case, then, then, you know, we're kind of overrating this group a little bit. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I need to see more, especially from, from Gay and Chanel. I, I was looking for the hot take and I found it. It was coming from there you. you that's go. where it's coming from. I finally, um, I, I set it off. I set it off. Uh, I go eight here, man. I am so bullish on this linebacker room. The versatility, what they bring to the table. And this is with a guy who's not very bullish on Willie Gay Jr. Like, I think Willie Gay Jr. has a lot of athleticism. We know that. The potential is there. But when you're talking about potential in, what, year four, at some point you have to show something, right? At times he's flashed, but there's not been the consistency. I don't think it's a bad thing that Drew Tranquil is your second-best linebacker because what he does is he's so versatile. Green dot with the Chargers, right? Known as a pass coverage linebacker, still had five and a half sacks last year. This allows Spagnola to do so many different things. That's why I'm so enthused by this linebacking group. They typically only use two linebackers to begin with, but you have a plethora of different uh, attributes that you can mix and match on the field at any given time. That makes me very, very excited. Uh, Leo Chanel, obviously, second-round draft pick. Nick Bolton, second-round draft pick. Willie Gay Jr., second-round uh, draft pick. Drew Tranquil, we know what he is. I mean, damn, I think this is a really solid group. And you also have, like, what, Jack Conkren, uh, who's been, frankly, a fine piece in general, special teamer as well. I am really high on this linebacking group. Maybe, I, maybe I'm, I'm being silly here, and maybe it's because I like Nick Bolton so much, but – and Drew Tranquil to an extent, but damn, I, I'm high on this linebacking group. I think there there's some boom and bust potential with this group. I mean, I I definitely see it. I mean, if if Willie Gay and Leo Chanel play up to their potential and have, and I almost think you have to say, look at Leo as being the more likely guy because at this point Willie Gay's three years in and we're still talking about potential, then you're kind of talking about who you are. I mean, Nick Bolton had potential. He had 180 tackles last year. I mean, that's yeah. that's realized potential. So I, I just need to see more from those guys. And like I said, I think it's a boomer bust. I mean, th I give them five and a half. They, maybe they're they, they, at worst. I think they're four and a half. But if, if, if all the guys come through and, and Drew Tranquil is your fourth best linebacker, then yeah, I could go to an eight or nine for them for this season. All right. Let's head up the secondary. Secondary, one to 10. We're, we're going to do corners and safeties all in one. 
Um, Legereus Sneed, outstanding. Trent McDuffie, outstanding. You know, got some production last year from Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. Spent more draft capital this offseason in the draft with Shamari Connor, uh, obviously Nick Jones as well. Justin Reed still back there. Brian Cook, Deion Bush, Mike Edwards. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of talent back there. A lot of names back there. Where are you, scale of one to ten? Yeah, uh, this probably I, I I could be a little low here. I give it a seven, and but it's seven with a bullet. I mean, I I think the with the arrow trending up. Um, part of it is that I need to see these guys back it up. You know, the Chiefs play a lot of young guys last year, and they're going to see different looks this year. You know, there's no doubt. I mean, defensive coordinators are going over the film. They're looking at Trent McDuffie. They're looking at Jalen Watson. They're watching Joshua Williams, and they're trying to figure out what these guys' weaknesses are. Why did they show last year that they can attack? And now it's going to be up to them to make adjustments. I mean, we're going to have to see how they respond. I, I do think that they can. I mean, I think this is obviously a good, young, ascending group. But is, is there a chance that all three of those guys don't take the next step, that maybe one of them takes a step backwards? Yeah. I mean, that's more than likely the, the reasonable outcome. Uh, I'm one of the biggest luxurious Nate fans out there. I think he's tremendously underrated. Uh, big reason why is that I think he's one of the best run defenders in the league, and that just gets no respect whatsoever, it seems like, at the cornerback position. Um, it's probably one of the things that's going to hurt him because I, I think that that teams are concerned that that's going to lead to him missing games because he plays so physically. So maybe he won't get the big free agent contract that he probably deserves um, after this year. But I, I mean, I, I think more likely than not, Chiefs are going to be fine at cornerback, even if one of those guys regresses this year. And at, at safety, I mean, you lose one Thornhill, so Brian Cook's got to prove something. But I think he will. I mean, I, I really, I've, I've loved Brian Cook since his college days. So uh, I, I think that's going to, I think that's going to fit really well. And they're very deep there. I mean, if Deion Bush ends up being your fourth guy. Yeah, that's that's and, and might be end up being your fifth because you got Shamari Connor too. You got a draft pick thrown in there. Um, this is this is incredibly deep. I mean, like I said, I I, I can see this number definitely going up. I, I like them. There's there's more depth than the Chiefs have had there in a long, long time. Um, but when I look at you know other cornerback groups around the league, is it the best? Not yet. They've mm-hmm. got they've got some room to grow. Yeah. Uh, is that the Marina Trench? No, that's just a chief secondary of how deep it is. I mean, it, it is very, very deep. I'll go with an eight. And this is kind of a trend. It seems like I'm more bullish on the Chiefs defense overall than I think you might be. I really do think this is going to be the best Chiefs defense under the Patrick Mahomes led era. Uh, I think there's so much versatility. And that's where it comes down to for me. It's a lot of mix and matching. Like, for example, if you put so-and-so on a different team, would they be the, 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 this great player? I don't think so. But here with Spags in a – in what they run, I think is going to make the difference here. Again, you have five, almost six safeties if you throw in Nazi Johnson, right? Like, there's a lot of mix and matching you can do. Brian Cook can be a pseudo linebacker at times if you really want to. Uh, Legereus Sneak can play inside, outside, or safety. Um Trent McDuffie on the outside, obviously. Then you have Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams. Um, I mean, you have four legit solid corners. Even if one takes a step back, I don't think one's going to just all of a sudden fall off the face of the earth, right? I, I think even if you take a step back, you still got a useful fourth cornerback at that point. That's fine with me. Um, Justin Reed was also a good tackler last year for the most point uh, as the season went on. I think early on in the year, it was a little bit of a, hey, what's going on with Justin Reed? As the season ended, you're like, damn, that's Justin Reed. I'm real high on this secondary group, man. I, I really, really am. The versatility is going to shine through for Kansas City. Well, and, I, and I, I really resonate when you say the word versatility because I think that's something that goes across this entire defense. I mean, you've got corners that can kick inside and do some different things, uh, especially, you know, with with one of the things that Steve Spagnuolo was going to try and do to protect that young defensive line is going to be with his blitzes. And you've got effective blitzers at the secondary level, at the linebacker level. Um, with, you know, with Tranquil, you've got the ability to go with maybe a bigger, you know, dime than you have in the past. You've got an opportunity to maybe put a linebacker out there instead of just a safety in some dime packages. You know, they've, they can. They can go a lot of different directions. I don't know if it's as versatile as that first Spagnolo defense when you had Kendall Fuller and Tyron Matthew, who were so, I mean, interchangeable by the end of that year. Um, if they could get to that point, 
with their secondary where you don't have to flip the defense based on on looks because you trust you know a couple of guys out there to be able to play the field and play half the field like Fuller and, and Matthew did. You know, I, I think that would be Spagnuolo's dream. Uh, I just don't know if they've identified those players yet. And we'll see what happens. I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm intrigued to see how these young guys adjust to the adjustments. And we'll see how they do. Uh, I'm also a dumbass. I did say Marina Trench. I meant Mariana Trench. I knew what uh, you meant, so yeah, you're good I, with I, me. Uh, no, no. I got called on the chat, too. That was a uh, – I bleeped up, okay? I admit it. I bleeped up. We have these things happen. It's not the first time. It's not the last time. I'm a dumbass. Maybe not just for that, but I'm, I'm a dumbass. You gotta, you, I do it all the time, Goose. You got to cut me some slack here, baby. All right, finally, special teams. Where are you at? Scale of 1 to 10, special teams. Uh, I'm grading them down only because of last year. And and, and I gave them for my preview, I gave them a 6.5. I probably need to up that. I mean, because I think I was just a little bit too harsh. And like I said, I'm definitely punishing the special teams for last year. But they should absolutely be better than they were a year ago. I mean... Uh, Tommy Townsend is improving. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Last year from just, you know, a, a pure r- raw performance. I mean, Tommy Townsend was great. I mean, and I don't think there's a whole lot more for improvement. I mean, coffin corner ability can certainly get a little bit better, but I think he is getting better. If Harrison Butker's healthy, he should be back to Harrison Butker, who, by the way, when healthy before was the second most accurate kicker in NFL history. So if he's that guy, they're going to be fine. Um, and they should be better, you know, and like Dave Tobe said last week, I mean, they should be better out of the box on special teams. They lost so many snaps last year that they had to replace. They lost a little bit this year. But honestly, I mean, looking back at the, the snaps that they lost on special teams this year, um, the, the, a good chunk of them are ones that don't matter. I mean, they're, they're, they're kick protection teams. I mean, it's because Andrew Wiley is not there anymore. I mean, and Orlando Brown. I mean, it's those guys that they were losing off special teams. Um, really, the only big guy that they're losing is Chris Lamont's. And, you know, and I, I think that, as Dave Tobe said, I hadn't really thought about it, but I went back and looked at it, and he was right. I mean, Nazi Johnson was one of the best return, you know, gutters in the league by the end of the year last year, if he makes the team, which, you know, he should, I think for special teams alone, um, that's, that could spend them a good spot. And I think they got some other good young talent. I mean, they drafted a couple of guys who shouldn't, should have special teams in their veins. So even when the young guys that they've got to play, I think they got some good pedigree. I, I like I said, I, six and a half. I'm not happy about it. I should probably just go ahead and bump it up to at least a seven and a half because I do think that Butker's going to have a bounce back season. And frankly, I mean, I, I think that the ceiling for this is pretty high. I mean, I, they could prove me wrong and turn it a nine. The only thing, the only really downgrade I can give them for is because we don't know who the returners are going to be yet. Yeah. Um, I think Daenerys Prince is going to win the kick return job if healthy. Um, I, I think he should be as good as Isaiah was last year, if not a little bit better. But Isaiah was pretty average last year. So tick him down a little bit for that. And punt return is wide open. I have no idea who's going to be the punt returner. It's going to depend, uh, you know, a big chunk on how many receivers they keep and who wins those jobs. If it's a veteran, you know, speedster, like if John Ross wins the punt return job, sign me up. I want to see that. <laughs> Um, I'd even take Richie James. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that, but it's it, if it ends up being Sky Moore, um, six and a half is probably about right. Oh, yeah, if it's Plus not Sky Moore's heart, if it's not Sky Moore, I'm I'm, I'm at an eight, eight and a half. I, I'm high. I, I do think Budker really bounces back, and you're right. When he was healthy, he was the second. Not only the, the stats that back it up, but he was probably the second best kicker in the NFL. I mean, it's Justin Tucker, right? He's the Travis Kelsey of kickers, if you will. It's him, then everyone else below him. Um, but Butker was about the second best kicker in the NFL, and then he got injured, and he was not the same. If Butker bounces back, which I think by all accounts he should, full offseason of getting right, uh, you know, talking with Chief Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry, he's always the guy that says, just give Butker time to work through this. Let him get healthy. Let him work through it. He's going to be fine. He's not just going to fall off all of a sudden just like that. He'll have time to fix, to fix the mechanics after injury. It takes time. So I'm all back in on Butker. Tommy Townsend was probably the best punter in the NFL last year. I mean, it was just absurd how much of a weapon he truthfully was. What his contract's going to look like going forward? Can the Chiefs afford to pay him what he probably deserves to be paid, which is maybe the highest paid punt in the NFL? That remains to be seen. But for this year, I'm very high on the special teams. And by the way, before you get out of here, you just got called a straight-up G. Matt Dare. <laughs> 
Have you ever been called a straight up G before? Oh, I don't think I have. And certainly not while wearing this shirt. So I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Is that J crew? It is uh, St. John's Bay. Thank you very much. Wow. Look at you. You that's fancy. The, huh? That's right. That's the, 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 the J.C. Penelman, J.C. Penny, big and uh, tall men's gentlemen's department right there at work for you. Matt Derrick, you are very, very classy. Make sure you follow Matt Derrick on Twitter at Matt Derrick. Make sure you check out ChiefsDigest.com. Matt Derrick, thank you so much for being here, man. You can stick around for a second if you want. Richard and I are going to do our must list. We do this random thing where we find one thing that we've we think listeners should should listen to, read, watch, anything like that. You don't have to hang around for this if you don't have everything planned. You can bail. I get it. We've gone over an hour now for you, but uh, it's up to you. I do have to. I do have to get off, unfortunately. But the must list. I will check it out later. I will. I got. I will make sure. I got to catch it. I'm very glad you're leaving. So now I am not embarrassed. Matt Derrick again. Follow him on Twitter and check him out at ChiefsDigest.com. Always a pleasure, man. Absolutely, Sterling. Always great talking to you. Take care, my friend. Yeah, you too. All right, Richard, get your ass in here. What's up, brother? How are Dude, you, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. That was a good show. Thank you, Matt, you were, if you're still there. You weren't here last week. Well, you were here last week, but we didn't bring you on. Yeah, and I it. felt bad. I almost skipped this week again, but I said, I can't see your glorious mas- your mustache not two weeks in a row. I can't see your long, glorious lettuce. I have to see it. So, Richard, there we go. He is here. What's your must list, man? All right. Uh, I put something on the show sheet, but I just changed it last minute. I heard you say plethora during the show at least once, and that just triggered a core memory. So we're going to recommend The Three Amigos. I'm sure some of you might understand that reference. It's a favorite film of mine. Uh, I just rewatched it over the weekend. You got that music from Randy Newman. You know, you got you got Chevy Chase, Martin Short. Uh, who's the other guy in that one? Steve Martin. You got some really, really awesome actors. And I'm always a fan of uh, that genre of films. It's like you get actors and you put them in a real situation and try to see how they they work out you know like actors in the film so you got tropic thunder that did that galaxy quest that did that as well but three amigos is the classic love it check it out if you haven't watched it yet Mm, i'll have to check it out also tungsten says if i ever skip richard again he's gonna riot so uh see good thing i brought you in it's not gonna be a quiet riot he's not a fan of oxymorons no tungsten's not he's not gonna be a quiet riot. it's gonna be a very legitimate riot um i'm gonna go with a clockwork orange Not the movie, but the book. Just finished the book. I know. Don't give me that. I'm not a movie guy. You know this. (laughs) It's a good film, though. It's Kubrick. When I I, want to see it now. Frankly, I do want to see it. But I was laughing because I got it at Barnes & Noble. And I was checking out. And the guy's like, you've seen the film, right? I go, no. Didn't really know they had a movie. I'm so out of touch when it comes to most movies. Like Big Lebowski and comedy, stuff like that I'm all in on. But when it comes to legitimate classic films... I've not seen Casablanca. I've not seen A Clockwork Orange. Not my style. So I got the book and I was warned. It's weird. I have you to bet believe. your ass. This was one of the weirdest books I have ever read. And I have read a lot of books. 22 books read this year. Great wow. book, though. It was incredible. Like the last chapter, I also kind of understand why uh, the publisher wanted it left out and why the movie doesn't actually include the last chapter. Hmm. Uh, up until 1986, if I'm not mistaken, the actual last chapter chapter 21 was not included in the English United States book. Uh, It was included in the English version, but it was not in America. Chapter 21 is all about his legitimate actual redemption where he kind of sees the error in his ways, but they thought for the film, they thought for the book in America, we don't want that shit. We don't want that happy go lucky stuff. Let's keep them bad, baby. Let's keep them on a cliffhanger. And so I read the book and I almost think it does make more sense. It doesn't really flow with him all of a sudden realizing that, you know what? Maybe I should take a step forward. Maybe I shouldn't uh, do ultra violence, as they say in the book. It's funny hearing you say that. <laughs> ultra violence. Yeah, you know me. Sterling knows what ultra violence is. That's cool. I know what ultra violence is. Yeah. So uh, A Clockwork Orange, 1962 book by Anthony Burgess, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. I apologize apologize if I'm butchering that. Yeah, sorry, Anthony, if you're watching this. Yeah, Anthony, I know. He, Anthony Burgess, is he still alive? I hope he's still alive. Big Chiefs fan. Where, wherever he's at, Big Chiefs fan. He's a big Chiefs guy. Clockwork Orange was actually going to be called a, a Clockwork Red, but uh, the Chiefs wouldn't let him use it. It was, it was more yeah, of the Had to keep his eyes open to keep him from eating uh, hamburgers? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 
But a clockwork orange, that's my must list. Uh, Matt Connor will not be here next week again. He is still in Scandinavia. Uh, what country? I don't really know. I don't think he even knows. Richard, do you know what country he's in? I am unsure. Yeah. He's, he's off the grid. He will be back at some point, but it won't be next Tuesday. So next Tuesday, who will be joining us? Josh Briscoe. That's the plan for now. Josh Briscoe right here. Sports Radio 810 will be joining us on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Thank you so much for uh, for Matt Derrick. If you like Matt Derrick, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Matt Derrick. Make sure you check out ChiefsDigest.com. He's a great dude. A lot of fun. Really good follow and extremely, extremely insightful. He gets a lot of inside knowledge. Inside Scoop goes to all the OTAs, training camps. Goes on, he's he's behind the scenes all the time. So Matt Derrick's a good guy to know. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Thank you guys so much. Richard, it's great seeing you again. I frankly missed you. Even with Matt Connor gone, even with him bailing for three straight weeks, doesn't matter. We keep the show going. It must go on. But today, it must end. Till next time, we are out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.